on this week's bet the process episode let's see what i did there bet the process we have a deep dive into props um we prepare you we don't actually tell you what props to bet but we tell you the process behind figuring out what props to bet and we give you some macro level ideas that will help you make better bets uh for the super bowl and uh then we give you a couple golf bets that Probably not worth listening to the whole show to find, but with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a town with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage and sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to the latest episode of Bet the Process podcast. It's a bi week episode. Rufus, a bye week. It's so sad that there's a bye week. There's no football this weekend. Yeah, but Andy Reid will be prepared. He loves the bye weeks. Is he good off a of bye week? I've never heard. Is are there any yeah. stats to say such? I don't know. I haven't heard anybody talking about it yet this week, though. I actually haven't heard anyone say this because I guess it's probably because they both have buys. And this weekend was such a weird, weird. Did you watch the games? I did. I was actually at Stadium Swim. With a group of people, uh, uh, Adam Levitan, Peter Jennings, larger established the run crew, and we they had a cabana, and I was fortunate enough to be able to join them and watch both the games there. That first game, first was, game ugly. was ugly, rough. Do you feel like it would have been? Do you feel like the Niners could have won that game with Purdy? I know it's impossible to say. We'll never but- know. Yeah, but I think people look at the outcome and they feel like it wouldn't have mattered, but it just is such a weird situation. I talked to my buddy is the is the he owns the agency that represents Purdy and I talked to him that night and uh, I forgot that he was Purdy's agent because I was like talking about something else and I was like, where you been? Like, why? He's like, I was at the game and then I just got done. We just got done with Brock and I was like, oh, and I guess Brock could not feel his 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 right arm at that point <laughs> at all like and so it was like and uh uh and they put him it, back in the game that's the that's the crazy thing well i don't think they felt like there was any damage i mean any danger to doing it otherwise that they wouldn't have done that right obviously but i'll tell you what didn't make sense to me is why they put him back in the game if he wasn't even going to throw the ball why not because i i I think they needed someone that could run all their run plays. Like if they have, if they have one of those emergency quarterbacks in there, they can't run all these complex run plays. Now the the complex run plays didn't work, but at least they could run all of their plays essentially when Purdy was in. That was at least my thought process behind why they did that. They ran that same sort of reverse to Debo Samuel like four times and it never worked. Not once. It's crazy. The thought though is like, like especially I mean, I thought they would have been better off having no quarterback and then you have an extra blocker. Go Wildcat style. And I mean, but I, yeah, I haven't I thought mean, about it, what you said in terms of the fact that McCaffrey would have to run these. I would think he knows the plays from the perspective. No, but he doesn't of, know them as a quarterback, right? He there's, knows them as a running back. I know, but I feel like there's a huge difference, right? Yeah. And, you know, even just... um. I mean, I, I don't think it was one of Kyle's best games. I think Kyle uh-huh. really 
you know, it's, it's, um, I talked to someone who works for the team that would, that talked to Kyle, you know, just got done talking to Kyle and, you know, I had to resist the urge <laughs> to be like, why didn't you challenge? Cause like, obviously this isn't a reason they lost or a reason that Purdy got hurt. But obviously if they challenge that play, but the Devonte right? Smith catch. Well, so they didn't early. even need to challenge it. What they needed to do was just call a timeout. They could have just called a timeout there. It's a first half timeout, which isn't incredibly valuable. They don't have to challenge during the timeout. They can try to review and, and see if they want to challenge. So they don't have to waste a challenge. They just have to waste the first half timeout, which is really not much. Right. And so, they would have had the expedited reviews or they would have had the opportunity to challenge then. Is that what you're saying? Or one of their players just got to pretend he's hurt. Like there's so mm-hmm. much leverage on that play, right? Yeah. Being a fourth down like you got to. And like Devontae but, Smith certainly did not act like he had caught the ball. He didn't. Okay. Cause I, I was like, well, wow, he was what basically telling them to speed looked. up. Yeah. I mean, he acted like he, he acted like he caught the ball. He acted much more like he caught the ball than Kadarius Tony did when Andy Reid still felt the need to review that, but yeah, that made no sense. Uh, Andy Reid had two of the, well, the, yeah, the strange reviews. Um, but anyways, to your point, to your point, I don't know if we know if the Niners could have won the game just because we didn't really get to see the regular Niners. And so I don't think they, their defense put them in a position to, if you judge their defense against the Philadelphia offense, that doesn't, look great in terms of the scoreboard but actually i remember looking at halftime for halftime betting and seeing at that point the niners actually were outgaining the eagles in yards per play so the eagles i think had 4.4 yards per play at halftime and then you know being it was that uh the last two minutes really swung the game of the first half well, what's interesting is, so I was watching the, I was watching the game with some 49ers fans and I obviously had quite a bit of 49ers futures more than I'd like to discuss on this podcast. And, um, you know, when they scored that touchdown to tie at seven, seven, I basically thought they had a really good shot because I didn't think they were ever going to get to a really negative game state, which is what I was really worried about. Right. I didn't, cause I knew that they were going to get the kick, they're probably going to get a possession at the end of the first half and they were going to get a possession at the beginning of the second half. So the likelihood of them getting to what was a really negative game state was very low. And even on that drive, that drive that everyone's talked about all the penalties and whatnot, like that was a painful drive, but the, the 49ers could have been off the field so many different times on that. And it looked like they were going to get the ball back almost right away. And the whole game is completely different at that point. I mean, obviously Josh Johnson may not have been the guy to lead them to victory one way or the other. And I think in a lot of respects, they lost that game when Purdy went out of the game. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's to be on, like, did that game make you feel more confident, less confident, or evenly or the same in the Niners chances to win that game with a healthy Brock Purdy? I mean, less confident, but not by a ton. Yeah, thought, what's funny is it made me more confident. And I, it's I thought like maybe that, I'm just like an idiot, but yeah, I mean. The I Niners know. are not a team that's that quarterback dependent, though. And so the fact that they, and I guess you just, you need someone who can at least even throw a screen pass, and that's kind of all Purdy could do. Well, throw like an inside screen. And so um, 
I think you're, yeah, I think you're right that we don't, we don't know that much from it at all. Okay. How about the second game? Um, Mahomes, more entertaining. Fewer entertaining. Fewer, the first game no, was fewer entertaining. More entertainings. For no, second. it was, it was, it was definitely more entertaining. Um, did, did you, did you think, was there a point where you thought Cincinnati was going to win that game? Yeah, for sure. Like most I of the never, fourth quarter. I most never, of the fourth quarter. Just just put just not quantitatively approaching it or anything. It just seemed like with all the injuries the Chiefs had, um, and a hobbled Mahomes, they were really unable to move the ball effectively in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And it I kind of I thought that the Chiefs would would lose that game, to be honest. Yeah, I was I was watching two children and watching the game at a at a restaurant. I moved over to a restaurant to meet up with a buddy who had two children. And so I didn't have the sound on. And I didn't know why all these random receivers were in the game. I was like, I had Juju Smith Smith Schuster in a fantasy league. And so I'm like, why isn't he playing? Like, what why is MVS playing? And like it's I like didn't realize Marcus how Kemp. many Marcus Kemp lined up. When you see Marcus Kemp lined up at wide receiver, eek. Yeah. I it was it was um it was interesting. Uh so what do you make of the Super Bowl, Rufus? I mean, obviously the line opened uh two and a half ish for the Chiefs circa. immediately. Circa opened it at Chiefs minus two and a half. Are they the worldwide bad. opener now? I think they were in this case. I think there there were open there were look ahead lines for different matchups that existed beforehand, but I think they were the first book to open right after the game, or at least the first book that took real money, more than like five hundred dollars. I know I saw Jeff Benson's tweet that sort of showed the line movement from minus two and a half to minus two to one and a half, you know, all the way up to Philadelphia minus two. And I think it got to minus two and a half. And at one point it wasn't circa, but a book got to three and now as of an hour ago it was down to minus one i'll say that the line move makes sense to me just because of how kansas city looked and how philadelphia looked and more so kansas city's health losing ladarius sneed is big they lost three wide receivers mahomes did not was clearly not 100 percent, and we don't know if he will be 100 percent in two weeks Hopefully he'll be better than he is now. And so to me, that line movement makes sense in that regard. I, I don't, you know, I make the line Kansas city minus a half a point with a fully healthy chiefs or at least a quote, normally healthy uh, chiefs team. And so, you know, anywhere it, it wouldn't, it doesn't surprise me that, that the Eagles are now favored, but that zero is worth literally nothing in, in the playoff games because you cannot have a tie game. And so, it's not as big a move as you kind of think. Um, first off, his name is Legarius Sneed, not Ladarius Sneed. It's with the J. It is. Oh. Yeah. Um, nice. so yeah, I I have Chiefs futures because that was my hedge for the Niners. As I know that's not a real hedge, but um, that was my hedge for the Niners. So I won them AFC and I, I have them now in the Super Bowl. Um I think it's interesting because I think that we, I don't know if we know how good this Eagles team is. I think that 
impression would be that they are dominant and very good, right? Like all almost all time good in some respects, right? Because well, think about their sacks, right? They have more, they have a, they're they're in like a top all time number of sacks. And you know, I'm I mean, I have no idea what their score differential ends up being, but I'm I'm sure it's relatively high. Um but like for the season? What's that? It's it's yeah. deep. I mean, I think their Pythag is like eleven and a half wins. Got so it. it's not nothing historic. Um, but it's interesting because they really have not played a lot of great offenses. And I think that, that, you know, if you go through sort of like the, the best offense they played, I mean, they played the Cowboys, right. And the Cowboys were a great offense for sure. Right. And I think you had them rated as the number one offense. You said they were in the number one offense in the league. I think I said they'd been the best offense since Prescott returned. Oh, sure. But they played him once with Prescott, once without Prescott. Um, the ones with Prescott, obviously, they had Minshew, so it's weird. Anyways, I but wait I, didn't 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 the Eagles score like thirty some odd points against? I mean, or didn't I mean, wasn't the game like thirty something to thirty something? It was a high score. Yeah, it was, it was a high scoring game. Side, the Cowboys so. had, I mean, I think Dak so had Cowboys like over the ball. Dak had over like four hundred yards, I think, passing. I think it's I think it's going to end up being a high scoring game, and I think I like the Chiefs. I think it, I I actually like. I know that you don't want to bet overs in Super Bowls like this, like that's the squarest bet. But I, if I can get a forty-nine, I think I really like that. So. Yeah, I mean, both of the, I mean, the the better offenses won, or, or I should say, the better defenses lost in the championship conference championship games, and now you have, you have, I mean, Philadelphia is a, a good defense, but Kansas City is just a league average defense, and it's getting better though. San Francisco and Cincy were the better defenses for sure. Yep. 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 Uh, tilted moment of the week, Rufus. Did you have one? Um, not really, honestly. I think we had a, we had a really good college basketball week and, and, uh, I don't think. Yes, yes you moment. did. I did. What was my tilted moment, Jeff? Am I no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying that you had a very good college basketball week. I'm agreeing. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm letting you take a victory lap for that wonderful college basketball week that thank you um, what was yeah. your tilted moment um my tilted moment god i mean obviously the the um, purdy thing was a pretty tilting moment for me i was pretty excited for that niners game i was pretty excited to see the niners um win that game and and i i kind of just that whole game watching what transpired um, was pretty tough. I think probably my tilting moment was in the golf. So I had bet um, after day two, uh, Ryder and Rom and Tagala just as outrights for fun. And so going into day three, day four, I looked pretty good, right? Holding Ryder and Rom. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I'll take a look. I took a little Finau because I was like, oh, that'll kind of be like, I feel like Finau could, you know, when he's kind of streaky, he could low, go low again. But otherwise, like, and I just took a little bit for him on him. And then like, I looked up and I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even in this anymore. Like, like Ryder's just, Ryder's just choking it away. Um, And yeah, so that was probably my, my real tilted moment. I'm like, you know, like how good did I look going into day four? versus how the, how the result ended up. 
you know, I'm going to amend mine and actually say that was probably my tilted moment too. I had some rider that I'd bet after round two and some Finau that I bet after round, or not Finau, Rom. I got Rom uh, plus 125 going into the last round. And, but the bigger thing was I had matchups on Rom against Morikawa, on Finau against Morikawa, and on Xander against Matsuyama. And those were all either tied or winning going into the last round and all lost. And there was one other one too. So basically things broke the wrong way. We were, our, our golf portfolio looked really good going into round four and ended up not good. But Rory winning on the European tour in a Monday finish helps mitigate that a little bit. Why on a Monday finish? Why does that matter? Or you're just trying oh. to add color because you're a, a sports well, dude? It, because it happened after the PGA event. Normally, the event in the Middle East is going to finish earlier. Got it. Uh, interesting. Um, Although it was the uh, it, it was it was nice having the golf end on Sun or Saturday instead of Sunday. I kind of yeah. liked golf starting on Wednesday. It would have been wonderful if that first game was actually at all a good game. <laughs> it just, I feel like we were just so robbed of like, in, and what's interesting is one of the things that I wanted to talk to Stefania about last week. I don't know if I mentioned the pod, but whether the concussion protocol will ultimately change like somewhat like roster construction. And I think, you know, in the case of, of, of this game, like I think they will start having three quarterbacks because the concussion protocol is so strict now that the chance of you getting two quarterbacks knocked out in a game is probably significantly higher than it used to be, right? Like even if Josh Johnson, like that that hit that he had and whatnot, in, in the old days, he for sure would have gone back into the game. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, not having not been on the sideline and privy to the medical tests or anything like that. Or not also being a doctor and know what Correct. to do with the medical tests. So, but my point is, I don't, I don't know if he was completely out of it or not. <laughs> it, the point is it doesn't even really matter. Right. It, if he's showing right. any symptoms these days and he suffered a blow that like, looked like it could be a concussion, he's going to have to sit now. And they, it's like that that's, it's going to get more and more strict before it gets less strict. And, the reality is like, you know, that was a ter- that ended up being a terrible product. Like it would just, you just watched that game and it was like a terrible product. So well, the second half was, you know, the, the Niners, like an exhibition they, game. the Niners were just running, right. I mean, they're handing the ball off and they're, they've essentially decided they don't have a chance to win, which as you said, I mean, I thought Kyle Shanahan didn't call a great game there. You have to try something. What I didn't really like that Kyle did is that, he had all those four, he had all those, not all those, but there was a couple, maybe three second and shorts that he had with Josh Johnson. They would break off like a nine yard run. And then instead of like allowing John, like allowing Johnson to take a shot on second and one, which is when you want a quarterback of John Johnson's caliber to take a shot, right? You want him to take that off of play action where he may get someone wide open and give him some confidence and, whatever he was like running in those situations to get the first down. And this is like the classic Kyle Shanahan, like being too, he even ran a sneak at one point. And I'm like, what are we even doing here, Kyle? Like it was, to me, it was unbelievable. I mean, I just, I couldn't, it was, it was challenging to watch. So, um, I'm sorry. We for were, your futures. 
It's okay. It's all right. I have your college basketball. So we uh, we have uh, a discussion on Twitter about who we should bring on this week. And we got a variety of answers. Everything from Jesus to Tony Kornheiser to... And I think we'll, we I mean, will Jesus try to... And Tony Kornheiser, mostly the same person. Though, similar right? age. Um, no, we, um, we, we will, I think, try to have Tony on in the off season. So that'll be something we'll do. That'll be for sure. And a lot of the ideas I think were really good for the off season. A lot of, some of the people we've had on before, um, and what we really want to do for this episode, as I thought about it is provide you guys a, a, you know, what Rufus and I want to get back to, I think is providing you guys content that, that no one else can provide. Right. And, and, you know, since Rufus is the self-proclaimed king of the props, um, I we, never, I never ever proclaimed myself the king of the props. Jeff. Well, Jason McIntyre is a self-proclaimed uh, gambling expert. Uh, no, so self-proclaimed king of the props, Rufus Peabody. Um, we want to talk about props, and we're going to bring one of Rufus's business partners, or former business partners, or business partners, current business partner. Um, we're for the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah. So part business part. So, um, on to talk about props and talk about not like give you prop answers because Rufus's whole thing is he wants to teach you how to be a better, better. Um, so we're going to go through a lot of the process. We're going to talk a little bit of the macro. Um, if any of you guys haven't listened to the risk of ruin podcast where, uh, there's two episodes where they basically talk about Rufus and, uh, Mark DeRosa and, um, Zach, uh, they, this is, it's a great episode and it talks a lot about like Rufus's origin story. So for those of you guys that don't really believe that Rufus doesn't care about money, even in that episode, these partners who've known Rufus essentially since he was right out of college said something like, you know, I don't think Rufus has done this for the money. Although they did say you do, you, you, you seek attention more than you seek, seek, uh, money. Do you agree with that? Uh, I certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. So do you still seek attention? Is that what is that what unabated is all about? Seeking attention? Um, no, it is not. I mean, I don't know. Like, so uh, you got to throw that out there, right? It's not about the money, right? Unabated. So what is it about? Now it's it's about finding things that motivate me and new challenges. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Like the your 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 content guy had a good line that said something like. Uh, I forgot it was like the coin flip simulator that you guys are developing for the coin flip. Oh yeah. You guys developing a coin flip <laughs> simulator. That's funny. I mean, Tommy on the, a con- at the process you- podcast mentioned our flag football simulator we'll have ready for the, for the pro bowl. So do you, would you bet any, there, there won't be any betting in the pro bowl. Will anyone even watch me. the pro bowl this year? The pro bowl is, you know, did you see who got named to the pro bowl quarterback? I'm guessing it's somebody that was probably below league average. I don't know. It's it's like almost replacement level. Who Tyler Hunt Tyler Huntley. Oh my God. That's incredible. How? I I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, he was named uh to be on the Pro Bowl. Was, I mean, Mac Jones was pretty right. bad last year, but he had a reasonable year as a as a rookie. So it kind of was like okay. I mean, I think Mac Jones now, if you look at it in retrospect, it doesn't seem like the greatest thing. Um but anyway, so so the the podcast that I'm mentioning is cool because it talks through the origin story, talks a lot about um, Zach, who we've, we're about to have on, and Rufus. And you kind of like 
see this sort of evolution of one thing I th- thought was super interesting about it too was just all the parallels between what we did at MIT with the blackjack team and what those guys were doing at Appalachian State. So, yeah, I mean, the origin story is of the betting team, not of me. And the betting team predated me, or it didn't predate me, but it predated my joining the group, which happened in 2009. And these guys started a few years before that. Yeah. All right. So we'll welcome in Zach now, and then we'll talk to you guys all again on the other side. We now welcome in Zach White, who is Rufus's life partner, partner, partner in crime. He's one of the triumvirate that was talked about. Well, so you guys always call him little Zach, right? So I never, I never actually knew his last name. There's a big Zach. Big Zach is mad dog. Oh, I've never even heard people. Well, because that doesn't make sense. You don't call him big Zach. You call him mad dog. So why do you need the moniker for little? Yeah. Well, so why don't you guys tell these people who didn't actually just spend the last two hours listening to a podcast about you guys, how you know each other and sort of your, your origin story. Zach, you, you can get started because you're the guest and you can have any sort of uh, real chronology to this that makes Rufus look like a dum-dum. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, that'd be tough to do. But um, yeah, I, I met Rufus uh, probably not even a year after I moved to Las Vegas in uh, 2008. 2007, 2008 range. Um, I was part of a group with some other guys from Appalachian State, and um, Rufus met one of my partners, Mark. You've probably heard that story on other podcasts before about how Mark uh, thought he was going to get mugged coming out of the palms or wherever it was when Rufus was following him. And um, Rufus was a general creep, creeper deluxe, as yeah, he, as super he, creeper. He I, just, yeah, I just, just follow people out of casinos, just trying to snipe people's information off their um, sheets and stuff, you know, like that. Um, so uh, he ended up uh, becoming a partner with um, the team around that year, 2008, 2009. Um, 2009. That's how I met him. Yep. And uh, we worked together for quite a few years, probably 10 years or so, um, seven, eight years something like that. Um, we still work together uh, on a few things. We worked together last year on the Super Bowl and share information from time to time. And um, I'll take any opportunity I can to to work with him because, you know, he's pretty much a genius. <laughs> I'd say savant because yeah. it has more of like a potential mystical feeling to it. Uh, so how did you get into sort of sports betting yourself and sort of what's your, what, what's your focus right now um it sounds like you had originally done a bunch of like nascar stuff and that kind of thing like um what are you what are you doing right now right i'm I'm still i'm probably nascar is the thing i'm most known for um because i've been doing it for so long and i was one of the only few people in the market for a very long time that was really um betting into it it was quite the challenge for a number of years to even get any decent volume down on it um, but I did really well. Me and my partner did really well over the years. Rufus was a part of it too. He saw how great successful it was. And it's still, um, it was very, very good. <laughs> it's still, um, a big part of what I, um, do gambling wise. Um, I did it all when it, when, when Rufus was involved in the team, we had four to eight people involved. Um, we did a little bit of everything. So it was like every single seven days a week, all year round betting sports and, um, but, um, you know, a number of years later, uh, you know, your priorities kind of change. Um, I'm married now and I've got two kids and I don't live in Nevada anymore. So I've definitely scaled back on the, um, 
the amount of hours I put into sports betting, um, it's still a important part of um, <clears throat> the what I do to earn a living. But I I kind of scale it back to football season and NASCAR races, and a lot with uh, futures um, for different sports as well at this point. The futures are you doing like how are you looking for edge in futures typically? I think futures are probably one of the most inefficient markets out there still, and I think it's. It has a lot to do with because people don't want to tie up money for a very long time. So there's some people that are, you know, there's some other pros in the space that are very adamant against betting futures at all because of how long you tie up your money, unless you're just dealing with a bunch of credit outs. But that's not often where you find the best numbers, right? You find the best numbers in Vegas or down at that independent shop in Biloxi or that one in, in that's unique in Atlantic City or Delaware or wherever. And yeah, you might have to tie up your money for four months, but what if it's a 25% edge and I don't have to think about it for four months, right? Like, so that's freedom for me. I've got a really nice edge. It's just sitting on the back burner. I can choose to do other things in between. I'm not at the point where my bankroll is super tight, where I'm going to say, man, I really wish I had that 10 dimes back that I bet on that future. Um, so that's why I like it. There's just edges that I see, you know, in June or July for the football season. Yeah, you're tying up your money for six months, but like you don't see 20%, 25% edges, you know, any other time of the year a lot of times. So that you can bet that type of volume on. So are you um, taking advantage? I, I've seen like things on Twitter where you're you're in these obscure locations and we were kind of joking a little bit uh, before that what you guys did in at Appalachian State um, was very similar to what we did at MIT around the blackjack stuff. And and people do call Appalachian State the MIT of what, the the Midwest or the Southwest or Southeast oh. or whatever, it's North Carolina. <laughs> First of all, Jeff, it's Appalachian State. Appalachian State. Sorry, Appalachian, sorry. Yeah. Appalachian and, State. I've like never heard that before. So I don't know. I've never, I've never heard Appalachian. Hey guys, it's not my first language. And I'm just very <laughs> excited to have someone on from what people call, people call MIT. There are shirts that say MIT because not everyone could get into Appalachian State. So, oh, yeah, that's true. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what you guys did there, and like what, you know, when you guys went to all these strange casinos and strange locations chasing down good blackjack games, I bet a lot of those games we'd burnt out for you previous before you guys had showed up. So, um, you know, and although, although, although I actually like one of the things. In 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 Nevada, it's often Nevada. really good. Nevada. See, I can't speak English, right? And I did that on purpose. In Nevada, <laughs> as an Asian high roller, it looks good. In Biloxi, Mississippi, as an Asian high roller, not quite as good. Right. So, but I can get away with it easily. You know, like yeah. any Biloxi or Tunica or somewhere, you know, I just I blend right in, throw the accent on, and you know, here we go. Did you guys do, did you guys do like team play and call-ins and thing like, things oh, yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. So you did all the same stuff we did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there should have been a movie made about you guys. that would have done a lot better. <laughs> um, So. Still time. Yeah, there we go. We'll do a remake. We'll do a mashup. We should actually just put the teams together, back together and just go for one big run somewhere. See yeah. how it goes. Um, so let's fast forward now to, to sort of props and what we're doing, because that's what the show is all about. Um, you guys are both deciding to do props again this year. You're going to go back at it. What's the process look like? What, what, do, what do we start doing? What, what, what are we doing this week to get ready? Well, I'm getting ready to travel. Um, I don't think traveling and hitting all the unique spots is near as important as it used to be. 
Um, but I'm going to do it anyway because I have tickets kind of spread out all across the country, which is, you know, I need that, um, that capital. Um, but Rufus is getting ready for numbers. Like this is us getting back together for Super Bowl. Of course, I did stuff throughout the postseason and and most of the most of the primetime games for regular season NFL. And you know, props is the same thing as everywhere. Uh, make your number, uh, compare it to the market price, try to get a good good value there, and um, you know, wait till the last minute in some cases if you're betting unders and bet your overs early. Um, keep up to date on injury news and and hope you didn't forget anything. Is there, with the injury news piece, is there a way to get sort of information asymmetry? What are some sources you guys are looking at? Um, Rufus, I know you're always kind of chasing around stuff. Like what advice would you give people to sort of stay abreast on the latest luxurious need or Juju Smith-Schuster injury news? Well, I'm going to have to hit Stefania Bell up to figure out what her opinions are. So, but beyond but that, if you beyond don't that, have I mean, it's looking... Though, it's looking at, I mean, you're looking at the practice reports and things like that, but honestly, you're just trying to make kind of an educated guess and think about different scenarios and how it would play out if Juju's out, if Tony's out, but Hardman's in and Juju's in or something like, because it's going to, and who it's going to affect. Like right now you've seen, you see Kelsey props up, but you don't see any other Kansas city wide receiver props up because those guys, I mean, MVS is entirely dependent on what happens with Juju. And so I think it kind of sucks for, for us because it means there's going to be less time to get, or there's going to be fewer props that books are offering because of this. I don't know. What's your perspective on that, Zach? Um, You know, I make it based on everybody being healthy. This, the Super Bowl is you have two weeks. If it was some sort of injury that was almost certain, you would know about it by now. If it's going to be a game time decision for Super Bowl, then they're probably going to play. Um, you know, I've always made my numbers based on if they're probable, they're actually truly probable hundred percent. Um, I think in the Super Bowl is, is a little bit different because you got, like you said, two weeks to prepare. This is all or nothing game. Um, they're either going to start the guy or not. It's, it's uh, not going to be one of those things. Oh, we're going to hold back and wait because he's not quite healed yet. Like, no, we're trying to win a trophy. You know, we're trying to win the championship. So go or no go. And I think that decision is made off like earlier, sooner than later in most, most cases. But a lot of times you'll have a guy try to go like that's what happened with Hardman coming back from an injury and he re-aggravated it. And so I think that's kind of the concern is that you're expecting this guy to go. He he gives it a go and clearly he's ineffective or aggravates yeah. it or is knocked out. And then suddenly you have a completely different game script. And, and I suddenly think, these other guys are going way over now. That So that's the I, concern. I think, I mean, I, I, Obviously, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. But I think me and you kind of weight that differently because you're like, it's a, a lot of people look at a prop like, oh, Ezekiel Elliott's not in. Tony Pollard's going to go nuts. Well, no, there's another person that gets the start. There's another person that's going to be active. You know, he's not going to get all of the carries. You know, the running back can go every single time. So, like, you know, yes, the next man up is going to be the number one guy now, but there is still going to be a number two guy behind him. So it's not like, oh, just dump, like, oh, your you're, you're under is now a stone-cold dead loser. Um you know, you just had to had to figure out where, like, how much yardage is going to shift up to the next man, next man up, and and um, go from there. I don't, I don't think it's as severe of a change, especially when you're not talking about like wide receiver one to wide receiver two. You're talking about like these guys are three and four and down the line. You know, with um, Valdez, Scantling, and Juju and those guys, it's like 
it's not quite as severe if one's out or one's in or one starts and then halfway through he he drops out like yeah it's going to change your number but it's not going to be like oh i had him at 34 and now he's at 65 no it's going to be like i had him at 34 and now he's at 43 or something it's it's not huge changes i mean isn't juju like the wide receiver one well if he's healthy, they, I guess... <laughs> they don't have any the, you look at their wide receiver core and it's like juju mvs hardman tony i mean there's actually like seven guys literally right when you throw almost all your justin watson in, you know it's sky like... Moore. did justin watson play last week no he had a illness he was out he was inactive hmm. i mean he was inactive because uh, well, because they don't really need normally you wouldn't think you need six wide receivers i mean you only need a couple no. of tight ends if, if you're that team also. how many quarterbacks do you need typically um <laughs> so can we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you said you make your numbers, right? Which I think is to ever, to you, that's basic, but I don't think to the average listener that's basic. Um, do you base it off of the market pricing? Meaning like you base your numbers off of the total and what the spread is, or do you think there's a world because ultimately what you want to do, right. Is, is find, a way that you disagree with the market. So like, if you think that the game is going to be a, an over game, or you think the, like, do you start basing your numbers based on that? And that will naturally bring you to certain, you know, plays that you'll get like, Oh, if you think the chiefs are probably going to win, maybe you think that their, their rushing yards will be higher or something like that. Like, do you got, do you guys do that? Or, or even like, I've heard people, that you know, come up with their sort of game script for what they think it's going to happen, and then base their props based on that. Do you think that's a reasonable way approach, or do you think that's a bad approach? Are you asking me? Or you want you guys both both can talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I like a little bit of everything. Like, yeah, the spread and the total compared to you know the spread and the total for all the other games they were in this year and how they performed in those games, and then compare to strength of schedule, their defensive matchups, and then you can break it down by position to how good they were against tight ends, how good they were. Um, you know, if you're looking at touchdown throws, you're, you know, what happened in the red zone, um, you're taking, without giving away all the secrets, you know, you're taking a lot of different components and putting it together in one projection. Yes, the spread and the total has some sort of dictation there, um, but it's not all, you know, it's not everything. It's it's uh, one component of coming up with a number. I think the spread and the total are more used for some of the, formulaic game props game props, yeah. where I'm not going to say, Oh, the market's like four points off on this or something like that. But I, I, I agree with what Zach said. It's we're, we're, you know, if a team's a one point favorite, there's a bunch of different game scripts that are possible there. And so in essence, we're projecting based off of that uncertainty in game scripts, not just saying this is the game script that's going to happen. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how we do it. And I'm, I kind of take a top-down approach in terms of projecting like the number of touchdowns for each team, which, which is going to be very re related to the game total and the spread. And then it's about like allocating them. And so like what percentage of receiving touchdowns does Travis Kelsey have? Um, but even more detail, what was what's his expected percentage of touchdowns based on where he's been targeted and those types of things for, you know, because touchdowns are rare enough that, you don't want to just, you're not just going to use 
a guy's actual percentage, there's going to be a lot of randomness there. And so with all these things, we're trying to break it down to sort of its most fundamental and weed out the noise and use, use the signal. What do you guys think your top three ways to beat props are? Like if you were just sort of like throwing these out there as like buzzy topics of ways, like I, I put down like information asymmetry, you know, better projections, taking a point of view, betting boring stuff. Like what would you guys say your top three are? Maybe Zach. Betting boring stuff is definitely Betting the boring stuff, yes. (laughs) If you want to just bet all your money at really good value, you could take no scoreless quarter and no safety and no defensive special team touchdown, like all these numbers that are like minus 280 that should be minus 500 that none of the public ever wants to bet, but that's the reason the price is like that. I mean, that's boring as hell. You're sitting in the whole game hoping that that one thing doesn't happen. I think the other thing is, you know, kind of the reason why I travel and the reason why we try to uh, group together with Super Bowl is like just picking off the great prices. Like there'll be some shops that just screw up or some shops that just have a ton of lopsided action one way and they, they're they giving you a number that's just way off. And, you know, even if you didn't really like the side, you, you got to take it as the, you know, it's a scalp with, you know, Pinnacle or just a scalp with Westgate. And, you know, I got to, I got to take that before somebody else does. And you end up with a bunch of great prices on props that you can really have to come up with a projection on. Um, so shopping around, you know, number one, betting the boring stuff. I love that, you know, <laughs> but like you're also tying up a lot of money on some of that boring stuff. Cause it's usually big favorites. Um, That's the stuff we bet the day the of the game. Last. If we have, if we have right. any liquidity left kind of, yeah, it's like you can bet the no safety at minus 800 or whatever. And it's a great bet, but, it's because you're laying such a price. It's not actually that great in terms of actual edge, but you're pretty damn confident. It's a really, I mean, it's, it's a solid bet, but. So when, when you, um, you talked earlier about this, your, your sort of pattern of, if you bet overs, bet them early, if you're betting unders and, and you guys are talking there about sort of individual game bets, right? I mean, individual prop bets, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe explain that one a little bit more to the average listener. That's just, I mean, and it's less severe now than it was years ago. Um, But the same pattern still exists. Uh, Numbers typically get bet up. Um, The public likes things to happen and likes excitement and likes people to throw a lot and catch a lot and have a lot of yards and a lot of offense. So Generally, the sports books see money come in on the overside of things. So if you like a player, if you have Kelsey at 70 yards and he's lined at 76, don't hit the 76 right away because he's probably going to be 80 by game time. I mean, that's just, you know, something that happens year after year. On the other hand, if, you know, you know, if you like somebody over and they're a big name player and they're probably going to get bet up. So you need to hit it early in the week as soon as it come out before that number gets run up. Why don't I would say a lot of the time. In the past, what's happened is we've bet into openers and uh, like we, we'll bet, an, we'll, we, let's say we'd bet that Kelsey under 76 we and it moves down to like 72 and then it goes back up. And then, so then we're getting the 80, like at the end, but so you kind of see the initial moves when lines just come out it, are driven by sharp action really, uh, because the public isn't really betting 10 days, 12 days before the actual game. And so those initial moves are gonna be sharp. And then as you get closer to game time, um, the weekend of that's when you're gonna see the lines really moving. And then it's kind of this game of chicken where like you're like, do I bet it now? Like when do when do I get it in? And I think Cooper Cup 
the Cooper Cup receiving yards last year was kind of the big one. Jack mentioned that today on the Unabated podcast, how you know it, it was what 96 and a half or so it opened, I believe. Is that about right, Zach? That's then right, yeah. It got it. There was a point, I think there was even 110 and a half on game day at one point. I saw the same thing last week in Vegas on Joe Mixon and on Jamar Chase, where Joe Mixon, he was in, I think, 58 and a half most places in that in that range. And I was able to bet under 63 and a half at stations. And Jamar Chase got all the way up to 87 and a half uh, at some shops. And I know, Zach, you, when I said I was under 85 and a half, you're like, well, there's 87 and a half out there now. I was like, damn. Right. Well, like the, you, you never know like how stuff's going to move. Like, I think things like those old standard rules are kind of like almost a thing of the past now, because we're sitting here on a Tuesday night and like all the props are already out. Right. Everybody put them up yesterday, all the big legals. And they're almost like verbatim. We, if we wanted to bet, 20,000 on the Kelsey unders yesterday we could have whereas in the past it was like Thursday night Westgate came out oh here's our chance to get two dimes under on this great price you know or do we wait do we play this game of chicken and wait and see maybe nobody else hits that maybe when copies it maybe Caesars copies it maybe MGM copies it and we get ready to get a lot more down now it's like every shop has the number up already if we wanted to fire at the current numbers we could fire and get down plenty and that's just that was not an option before, you know, so we had to make that decision whether we want, whether we wanted to fire early in the week or not, you know, like then. Um, but like, but you know, the downside, example, I would say I the point. downside though, is that all these places are opening the same numbers. You have places like the unabated odd screen where you can compare prices pretty easily at a lot of books. And so true. I mean, hell, I think the advent of mobile, do you remember when, but remember when we had people like sitting in casinos and sports books, Every waiting. single day, waiting all week. It was the most yeah. boring job ever, but we but you, we but we, we, we were the first one, ones there, though. And whereas you get, the win opens Ted Ginn at four and a half catches, and everybody else in the world knows it should be three, three and a half, and you get five bets on it at four and a half because you were the first one there, then that's a lot of value. So oh, I'll tell you what the win would always open. Uh, will there be a roughing the passer call? Yes and no was like <laughs> minus 115 each way. And right. I, I don't know why. But Johnny Avello would price it that way at the beginning every single year. And it, it, every year it ended up closing like no minus 230. Sometimes, I mean, this is before this is before quarterbacks were protected like they are now. And so, you know, you bet at minus 115, you bet at minus 130, you bet at minus 145. You know, you, you, know, you the, that's that's what you dream of, getting the gravy, like the, the really off numbers. But the funny thing is it it still overall makes up just a tiny portion of our portfolio, like the really, really good bets. Yeah. And I, I think we saw it last year with the way we used to count on the Westgate for being kind of the market leader five years ago. And, you know, in the past three, two to three to four years, they, they've kind of, you know, they weren't the first ones to release anymore. So the props are already out by the time they came out, but then they still come out and they're opening scouts because they're like, our number is better than the DraftKings number. Our number is better than the FanDuel number. Um, so you're kind of looking there, there's still opportunity to be the first person in line there at Westgate, whether you're scalping or whether you're saying, I, you know, maybe I'm just going to hope that me and Ed's opinion are, are that much different. Um, so that, I mean, there's still an opportunity, you know, for, to be in there waiting for the openers, I think in certain cases, because there are still some books that come up with their own unique stuff and not just copy the Cambi number across the board or whatever. And there's also, you know, you, you mentioned the, um, what was it last week that got bet up? 
Kelsey never moved around last week based on like, oh, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? It was 76 and then it went down to 72. And I was like, well, if it got to 78, I was going to bet it, but it never got there. And I think he finished with like 76 on the on the nose or something. There was an 81 and a half at one point. It was, you know, it, was also, uh, it was Jay Glazer that came out with the report about his back. Yeah. I mean, there was also, there's also a lot of market influence now that we didn't used to ever see either too. Like ETR, right? I mean, like ETR, ETR, like Sam, ETR Samuel said, last week, Samuel over Samuel and last week, it was like 22 was the number. And I was like, man, I got him right at 21. I'm probably going to take some under 22 if I find a you know decent price. And, you know, then the, then the news came out that Elijah Mitchell was out. Then ETR releases the over. And next thing you know, the number's 30, 30 and a half. You know, it's like yeah. all of a sudden he's 150% better. Like, like I don't, uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of other forces moving the market around now where you can find opportunities like that too. Not not necessarily timing it just right. Just like, hey, wait until something happens and then take advantage of the overreaction. Yeah, and like I'll say ETR moving, releasing props is kind of like right angle sports with college basketball totals or something like that where it'll move. And if you got if you got the bet that they released, that's probably good, but there's a lot of value just coming on the other side after. Like I also thought there was value on Debo Samuel under to begin with, so I um I, I right, was I have, done I have running around. Tickets of under twenty two and a half minus one hundred five that I thought were great, but I also have under thirty and a half. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, why not? So. What is your best Super Bowl prop victory ever? I, I think this oh, has I, to be the yours has to be a, the exact on the Rams or the Rams, oh, no the Rams touchdown three, yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, the Rams three for sure. That was. Well, well, explain that one. Uh, so Zach beat yeah. me to that with my own freaking work. I remember that. Rufus, you don't own the rights to math, okay? Like anybody hey. could have come up with numbers. Um, <laughs> you know, so now you can bet exact us at all these legal sports books. The final score will be this or this or or you know, and it was like pays off two hundred to one or whatever. But um, the early iterations for that were like, what will be the final score of this team? It wasn't necessarily a price where the final score would be 17 to 14. It would be like the Rams have this many points. The Patriots have this many points. And a lot of times the books would price it based off Super Bowls or, you know, just a general opinion of, you know, how games land that are lined at 50 and a half total points with a three-point spread. But it was a lot of oversight that happened there of like, well, yeah, there's never been a Super Bowl that landed exactly three, but does that mean you should price it 500 to one? I mean, no, there's tons of games that land with one team having a final score of three. So that year with the Patriots and the Rams, you know, we found, and Rufus, you had a lot of it too. So I, had, you- I had some of it. I had some of it. We weren't working together for the Super Bowl, but we had, I had some of it, but not, I didn't get the prices you got. You, yeah. you hustled to so those I early. The, I had the 400 to one at, uh, South Point, which made the ESPN or whatever. And then we had some 250s, you know, at a few other places. Um, well, what was the true? Is it like 90 to one or something? No, um, my number was like 185 or something. So like some of those were pretty thin when it came down to it. But, yeah. you know, but the exactos are like my favorite bets. Yeah, I, they're, I they're, they're like a game. They're, they're like fun. the Homer shot. Yeah. Of course. Do you remember the first Super Bowl we were working together? We had the, it was the Colts Saints. And the Saints won 31-17, and we had both both of the exactas. No, the but Saints. I remember. Yeah. I remember the one where we had. Oh, the with, Ahmad Bradshaw. Ahmad Bradshaw was supposed to, it. like, he, went, he tried to take a knee at the one to, like, you know, basically run the clock out. They could kick the field goal and win by one. I think they had, like, 15 points. And he falls into the end zone. 
And of course they go for two because even if they would have kicked the extra point there, we had the other end of it. Yeah, too, we had right? all the create we had all the weird numbers basically. Yeah, we had all the weird numbers, but somehow this idiot can't well, he you know, he's not an idiot. He was he's trying to do what he was supposed supposed to do there is like go down at the one, run it down, take a timeout with one second left, kick the field goal, win the game. But he falls into the end zone with one minute left, and we lose all of our perfectly placed exact numbers. Um, and we lost a mod like not two. to score a touchdown. Right, right. Yeah, and some alternate total right. under, yeah. It, it, that, it, that was that was like a easily, a, I mean, that was a big ass. And story. then, I don't know if you remember this, but the next year we go to Sloan, to MIT, and they've got a picture of him on like a billboard. It's one of the analytics thing about this, you know, this particular event that happened that was, you know, the the analytical move or whatever. And they got a picture of him, Bradshaw, like trying to go down on his butt at the one yard line. And I was like, oh, great. Rub it in the face, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, how about this year? You guys got any sort of general things to watch this year? Things that uh, you know, any 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 things to give the listeners to to think about? I mean, obviously projecting the Casey skill position guys. I, I think your advice, Zach, is super interesting to say. Like, hey, you know, uh, like pr- almost like project these guys like they're all going to play because it's the Super Bowl. Um, are there any other things that you guys are looking at specific to this game? I mean, I'm, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not that far into my research yet. yet. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. I said, I'll be honest, it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday night and I haven't looked that close yet, you know, but um, I mean, there's certain stuff we look at every year and we there's a certain number of props, especially game props that we know we're going to find value on every year. And, you know, they're kind of like we mentioned earlier, a lot of the boring props, just fading the public type props. Um, as far as players go, I mean, you can... As a general rule, you can never really go wrong fading the biggest names if you're waiting until game day um, to bet them. So I imagine, you know, we're going to have some Mahomes unders, you know, on Sunday morning. Um, You know, healthy, not healthy. Can't hurt if you're betting the under. Um, And, you know, just the the anti-stuff happening, you know, like, you know, they're – there won't be a special teams touchdown. You always find a good price on that if you just wait for it. So, um. yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting. One of the things I'm I'd love to keep an eye on is Mahomes rushing yards, right? Because that's always like a pretty fun one that people always look at. And I think traditionally, like quarterback rushing unders are are pretty good plays, right? But like, here's the situation where, to your point, like this is going to be a YOLO game for him. So, like, I mean. And, but then you have the situation injury. where if they win, what if they win, and he takes a he takes a knee at the end, right? So it's like, yeah. Well, 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 gotta, do you remember well, the negative like seven yard kneel down? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Mahomes' rushing number last week was was really low it was too, ten and a half yeah. because that was because he's playing on one leg and being you know hurt or whatever. And you know I'm not going to bet it over in that situation because of the possibility that he is truly a little less mobile than normal, but you I mean, know, he was we're... very, very much less mobile. Yeah. I don't know what game you were watching. Few, fewer mobile. Fewer okay. Mobile. Fewer. Mobile. <laughs> um, I'm going to bet Mahomes over whatever it is. It's my YOLO bet of the century. So Wait, just, I, I will just, say the quarterback early. Do it now. You better go ahead and get more, They are more likely to run in those sort of it, the YOLO games like the Super Bowl because there is no tomorrow. And, you know, Mahomes play in a game against I don't know the Broncos isn't going to risk injury. Uh, he's going to because 
in a regular season game. And so, I mean, I think we found that I have found that some quarterbacks um, are going to be more likely to run a little bit in the, in postseason games, but still uh, to your yeah. question. Yeah. I mean, Hertz went under last week. Burrow went he, over. He barely yeah, went under, honestly. And, right and Hertz, and I think if he barely went under and it was a game script where like they, he didn't need to be running the ball as much later on. I didn't think I was right. kind of surprised he ran, they, they ran him as much as they did in that situation, especially with the shoulder injury. You know, he's susceptible to getting hit. But I think the other thing um, that's important to think about with the total bets is the fact that the mean and median are different. And I think that's something that used to be way more mispriced than it was. But if I make, if I make, let's say, um, Valdez Scantling project him at, I haven't projected him, but let's say I make him like 28 receiving yards or something like that. Um, if a book is offering 27 and a half receiving yards, that under is going to be a fantastic bet. Yeah. Just because he's never going to have, he's not going to have a game where he gets negative 15 receiving yards, but he could have a game where he could have a game where he has 45 receiving yards, 50 receiving yards. And so the it's, it's, and, and that gets more pronounced the the lower you go. Like a guy could be projected for one catch for 10 yards. And it's like, like a running back. It's like, he's going to probably need two catches to go over. Yeah, to go over that 10. So don't you feel like that basic strategy kind of went away, though, in the past three ish years or so? Because, I mean, if you took two teams that were middle of the road defensively, middle of the road offensively, and you put them in prime time and a book put up props on them and a guy's average is like 55 yards, they're going to hang him at 47 and a half, 48 and a half now when they were used to hang him at 55. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. But this is the Super Bowl, also, and it's probably what. And it, as a result, you're going to have the public betting the overs, and so, yeah, I'm. I'll say the the I'm going to plug the unabated prop calculate the prop thing, the prop odd screen thing, the be, ability to put in a projection and get a and get a simulated number to basically say what your median is and what the that like that's that's really useful because before I had to run a bunch of code, um, and and like create like elaborate Google sheets with lookups for the guy's distribution and all that stuff. And this has made things easier for sure. All right. Now that we had a commercial for a company that doesn't pay a shit for this podcast. Um, good on, good on you, Rufus. Well, we, we, um, we need Zach. We need Zach to plug his brewery now. Well, I'm for, for yeah. sure. He's going to do that. Okay. Now he's got to answer the seven questions that we ask all the guests. Have you heard these yet, Zach? Uh, Rufus gave me a rundown. I've heard of, heard some of them. All right. I think I heard Pazola or somebody, one of your other seven listeners, um, do them one time. So, uh, uh, first question: Who is funnier, Rufus or Jeff? See, Jeff, we haven't hung out in so long, but I haven't spent much time with you. I feel like these are hard questions to answer, but Rufus is definitely not a funny person at all. So it's got to be you. Yeah, I, I win that by by attrition, basically. Uh, <laughs> smarter, Rufus or Jeff? Got to go with Rufus. <laughs> there we go. Least relatable food that you like. So least relatable means like other people probably wouldn't be like, man, that's an amazing food. Is that what we're saying here? It kind of, it kind of makes, it's something that you say you like that people go, God, I don't think I'd ever want to hang out with that guy. Cause he likes yeah. that food. Gotta be catfish. Holy shit. Catfish is delicious, but people like hate it. <laughs> A lot of catfish people is delicious. I, I mean, does catfish always fried pretty much? No, heck no. You can blacken, blacken it or broil it or grill it or, you know, whatever. It's always good. Like it's 
southern staple, man. Can you can See, you name all the it's ways? The opposite of relatable. I want to hang out with you and eat catfish right now. That's not fried. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, favorite gambling moment of your life? Uh, yeah, it's got to be that uh, the Rams three at the end of that game. Um, they were getting ready to kick the field goal. We were watching the we were watching the Super Bowl at our house at my house down in Vegas and. Uh, my house at the time, I had direct TV on all the main TVs, except for the one in the living room, which didn't have a direct TV box. It was on an antenna. So it was like, like five or six seconds ahead of the outside where everybody was watching the game. And uh, who was it? It was Zerline that was lining up to kick the field goal like with like a minute left to make it a one possession game, which would have got us off the Rams three, which I still had some six somewhere, but it wasn't even near as big of a score. And like he's lining up to kick it, and all of us are holding our breath outside, including Rufus and our friend Rasta, just comes running out of the house, like slinging, slinging his one arm around, saying, "Oh, he missed it! He missed it!" I'm like, "Rasta, you better not be fucking with me," you know, with like, you know, counting down the seconds where we're gonna watch it on the delayed feed. And sure enough, he missed it, and we all celebrated pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. At that point, that was an amazing gambling moment. Favorite bet you are making in the next year? Eh, you, you guys are probably going to be bored with this one, but it's all NASCAR related. Like I've got a lot of futures. I want to bet on some teams that are getting mispriced for uh, the cup championship next year that are um, going to be end up being very competitive that are just not getting respect right now. So um, where, where do you get your edge in NASCAR after all these years? Uh, well, I love the sport. I get all the great data. I am from North Carolina. I have a lot of connections that are involved in the sport. So um, I try to stay up to date on what's happening as best as I can and 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 get little tidbits that aren't necessarily publicly available, um, you know, in my analysis and using that and saying, hey, you know, look, there's a little bit of value here. Worst loss you've ever had. And don't say Rufus from your betting partnership. Oh, um, that Ahmad Bradshaw falling into the end zone wasn't good. Dude, how, uh, how big a swing was that for us? It was a six-figure. It was way. It was exact like, for sure. Um, you know the the whole. I think we've talked about them before, but the the Kyle Stanley, and then the next week the Spencer uh, Eleven, like back to back, epic choke jobs. Ups. Um, that was like 2012 or something. That was around that same time, I think. Um, those were both huge scores that choked or the opposite of choked the next week. And do you remember Jason? Was it Jason Duffner or Keegan Bradley that choked the PGA championship up five with four holes to go? I I think it was Duffner, right? Yeah, it sounds like a Duffner thing. (laughs) And it was the Adam Scott British Open one. I mean, that all happened within one calendar year, too. We all were, yeah, meltdowns. We were in the British like freaking pub, like celebrating with the locals already, and then it's like, oh, four strokes. Yeah, no, not anymore. Well, Zach uh, after the Kyle Stanley meltdown actually mailed the Kyle Stanley his his ticket. Um, asked <laughs> what? How did that go over? I never got a reply. I just sent it. We looked him up, and I think we found an address that we were pretty sure was his in Georgia somewhere. Um, and I, like, I, I printed out this coupon for golf lessons and I put my ticket in there and I said, if you don't mind signing this and 
Um, I sent it off and never, never heard anything back. So I have no idea what, if it ever got to them or if it just got lost in the mail somewhere or whatever. Or I mean, some other, some other Kyle Stanley's like super confused about like, what is this? Well, maybe he's a better golfer now because he got <laughs> golf lessons. Do, in that situation, like, was that was in, this, well, in the field this week or something? I don't know what happened to his golf game, but it. What, what was the thought process there? Were you, were you, is that, was that therapeutic for you or did you really expect a response? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think at the time it was probably one of the worst beatdowns we've ever had. Like, and we watched it happen live, like, and we were all golfers too. So we can, we were all like, man, I could have played that 18th hole in six strokes or less. So, you know, like our worst golfer that well, we he only know, had to do it in seven strokes or less. We, yeah. The worst golfer that we, or, was, or fewer as the case there. might be, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, the worst golfer that we know could have made it in fewer than eight strokes. And it was just kind of like we simmered on it for so long. I was like, man, I got to do something. I hate this Kyle Stanley guy. So I dug out my ticket that was like a 200 to one William Hill, like, you know, to win a ridiculous amount of money ticket. And I said, well, let's see, you know, let's see what happens if I send this off to him. And, you know, I guess it did make me feel a little bit better to say, ah, you know, maybe he would, maybe he opens this in the mail and, you know, it, it, it feels it's worse. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you the, the worst thing that was that he won the next week and all the value and we on him had, was gone. And so, yeah. and we had the other guy that blew the six stroke right. the next week. Right. So, so he gets his like, you know, not what's the word? Um, not ready. He gets his redemption, redemption and we just double down on our losses. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what happened. I'd never forgive yeah. that guy either. Spencer, what's his name? And he's Spencer Spanish. Levine. He Monday qualified last week. He's, right. yeah, probably. Still off chain smoking somewhere, or maybe he quit. I don't know. I don't like him. <laughs> All right, last question: person you'd follow blindly? Uh, Rufus Peabody. That guy's pretty good. Yeah, there we go. That's a boring answer. No, it's a good answer. Yeah, Rufus, you, you this is like yeah. the guess yeah, that's you, what's if that? you called me up and you were like, Hey, Zach, go bet this, I'd go bet it too. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I would not call you up and tell you to bet something unless I thought it was a re- really sharp. So right yeah. exactly so so get get ready zach because jeff is going to be hounding you for nascar picks now <laughs> no i don't i don't think i could do it i the the last thing i really want to be doing is sweating nascar because i sweat stuff so it would be yeah it'd be it'd be tough i i, I would only do that if i had some value to offer to you the only thing i have these days is college football second half so the, the those do pretty well for you this year <laughs> they did pretty well yeah yeah, absolutely printed. <laughs> I've been a few right, months to hear about it every week from him <laughs> and Shane. So there you go. All right, Zach, thanks for joining us, man. This is super fun. Um, good luck in your travels and your Super Bowl prop betting. And uh, we'll have you on again soon. It was fun. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you. So that was Zach White and uh, probably the nicest guest we've ever had to you rufus i think that guy i think zach likes you more than any any person we've ever had we need to have tom on you, you know what you funny? think tom likes you? what what's funny is zach in real life is just making fun of me all the time so i kind of expected i think you expected that he would just be dunk, trying to dunk on me so. no i i i uh i think you've had a pretty hard last couple months so i think it was nice for us to specifically have a guest on where the only thing was just to make you feel better so do you feel better I think we did. Did you guys like get together before and be like, Zach, we need you to be really nice to Rufus. We need you to build. He's feeling a little sensitive here. We need you to build him up. No, I really, I actually really enjoyed that. I thought it was, um, it was cool to have you hear you guys tell war stories while also like kind of discuss 
a bit of the process and hopefully people can glean some value out of that from two of the arguably top prop bettors that are going to be betting Super Bowl props. It's it's also interesting to hear the stories where the world is just very different now. And I wonder how much different like the process and markets will become because of, you know, the fact that you're not like literally like her, you know, driving around from casino to casino. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is so much more surface area now though. I mean, you thought there were a lot of props before with Westgate and now, I mean, I we're, we're seeing more and more props and I think that's the advantage you have as a better. So for anybody listening, I mean, if you deep dive into something, one of these really esoteric things, you know, the book isn't spent, they don't have the time to spend that much energy on one thing. And so you can certainly find things just by doing some research. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, did you have any parting thoughts uh, for our guests? I mean, for our listeners, I mean, I, I think, we should we give a pick this week? I don't. I don't, I don't think I don't there's know. anything to. I mean, I guess there's a golf tournament. Maybe the yeah. golf. There's three golf tournaments, which has hindered my my NFL preparations. How about we both? How about we both pick a golf outright okay. as our as our as our winner? Because like, oh, you know who I'm picking? I'm picking Denny McCarthy. I love that guy, and that's a pretty why? weak field. It it's a weak field there. You know you know why it's a weak field, right? Um, because I don't know, something's happening next week. The Saudi International or Invitational, whatever it's called. It's to, it's an Asian tour event, but it's got all the live golfers as well as a few non-lives and then guys that decided to recently become live. Sebastian Munoz, who I guess went over to play there and then they, they recruited and recruited him and it was announced today that he's joining live. Um, I'm going to, so, okay. So you're taking Denny McCarthy. It looks like he's listed anywhere in the 40 to one range, 35 to one. What do you, what do you make him 81 to one? I don't, I don't love that okay. bet. Um, all right, forget it. It's not Denny McCarthy. It's though. okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, we're like this, there's not going to be a lot of out. I mean, what do you make Joel Damon, our friend, Joel Damon? Um, probably not that high. I mean, he hasn't played in a long time. But yeah, I don't show any value on him either. Denny I McCarthy, I can get Den- I can get Denny at fifty to one. So I'm going to take him at fifty. Okay. To one. Yeah, you got to stay. You got to. I'll stand by Denny McCarthy at fifty to one. I'm going Ooh. to. Uh, I'm going to take a guy named Kevin, aka Chun on you, at 130 to one. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you can get 180 to one at FanDuel, 125 to one MGM, 125 to one. Yeah, bet online 150 to one. I make him 100. That's a that's a pebble. That's a pebble. Yeah. All right. I was I was I was going with the you know a guy of Chinese descent to you know because how often I was it was between him and the two the two letter last name Brandon Wu and. Young hand on, but I don't like either of the other guys. So Brandon Wu was a swimmer at Stanford, so he he's probably played Pebble a bunch. He was a swimmer. He was. He wasn't even a golfer. At, That's at so weird. Stanford. Yeah. So, but uh, anyways, um, thanks for listening this week, guys. Hopefully, these uh, picks are as worth worth worthwhile for all of you guys, and hopefully, you enjoyed the the uh, prop talk.
So we'll talk to you guys all again next week when we have a Super Bowl extravaganza coming up, and we'll tell you what our Super Bowl pick is. So talk to you next week. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded.